Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Good morning. My name is Samuel Warden. My wife, Kirsten, and I are the youth pastors here at the Vineyard Church of Central Illinois. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um, We are parents to an amazing two little girls named Cadence and Everly. And you've probably seen them running around being crazy. Yes, I own those. Those are amazing kids. Some of you may know me. Others may not. But I grew up in Arkansas. So yes, I am a southern boy, and yes, I have absolutely no accent. I don't understand what happened. I really wanted one. I even tried for a few years. Just didn't stick. But I'm the baby of the family, and so for me, I always knew that I was my parents' favorite. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but for real, everyone says if you're the youngest, you are your parents' favorite. So why don't we just own it and make everyone jealous? I'm kidding, but I love my older brother. His name is Antoine, and my older sister named Andrea. I love them so much. They are amazing, but growing up, we were a huge sports family, and when I mean a huge sports family, I literally mean I have played every sport under the sun but hockey. I'm not sure why. I think it's because I lived in the South, and there was just no ice anywhere, but we played every sport, and the cool thing for me was my dad was actually my coach. And so being my coach, he coached me in football, he coached me in basketball, he coached me in soccer, in baseball, in all of the sports, we were best friends. He even was a business partner of mine, yes, a business partner in a lawn mowing business at age 14. He also um, would play video games with me. And so that's honestly why I love video games to this day is because it brings back fond memories with my dad. But today I actually want to tell you part of my testimony, part of my story, what makes me who I am. And it starts on June 22nd, 2007. It was a Sunday morning and right after a church service much like this, we decide to go get haircuts. And if you know me or a friend of mine or even have seen me, I love fashion and haircuts and all things vibes. Yes, I love Starbucks. Like I just love these things. And so after the Sunday service, like, Dad, can we please go get a haircut? I'm looking ratchet, and you definitely look ratchet, bro. And so my dad's like, absolutely, let's go do it. And then I was like, I have an opportunity here. I could get a new video game. So, Dad, can we go get a new video game right after our haircuts? He's like, yeah, sure, let's just go get it. And so my mom chimes in, which, moms, don't cramp our styles. But mom goes, hey, I'm going to come with you. I need to get groceries. I'm like, oh, fine, mom, fine. You know, we're going to get this video game first. She's like, no, well, I'll just go to Walmart. We'll get the game and the groceries, and we'll go. I'm like, fine. So we get to the sports clips, and it's the place my dad chose that day because there was the Packers playing. And yes, I just said Packers. I was actually born in Wisconsin, very close to Green Bay, but it's fine. You guys don't have to hate me from this point forward. Just love me, forgive me, whatever you need to do. But we had to see the game, and so we get our haircut, and then we head to Walmart. Now, this Sunday was just like any other Sunday for us, but something changed. This Sunday would actually take my whole family on a complete journey of walking out reckless love through the very thing our faith 
is actually contingent on. It's a thing that we were given freely by Jesus, yet we make some people pay a high price for. That thing is actually called, you may have thought it, forgiveness. So let's pray and we will get into today's message. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for your presence. I thank you that your presence is around everyone watching or hearing my voice right now. I thank you that your power is present. I thank you for opening up our eyes and our ears to hear and see what you have to say. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Now let's just be honest moving forward. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is tough. I don't like having to forgive someone sometimes. Because typically forgiveness means that someone has done me wrong, someone has caused me pain, someone has actually hurt my heart, and now forgiveness means I have to say it's okay. Oh, come on, man. Forgiveness is not fun. But for me growing up, I was the guy that said sorry very quickly. Now, as I've been married, all the married people in here can, can realize, if you just say sorry super fast, it seems like you're brushing it under the rug. Don't do that. Have a conversation. When I say sorry, I genuinely mean it. So Kirsten and I have come to this great conclusion that when I say sorry, I still have to give her five minutes to think about it. And it works. But I would say sorry so quickly as a kid. And, and here's a great story that for some reason my mom likes to tell everybody that she meets. I was about seven years old. I had done something wrong. I don't know why. I was the youngest. It must have been one in a million. But I did something wrong. And my parents went into their room. And they were having a discussion. And for me, I was that kid that, like, when I did something wrong, I got so convicted, I would, like, dry heave. And I don't know why, but I would ugly Oprah look under your chair. You want a car cry. And I would legitimately just be in my room, like, I'm so sorry, like, the whole time. And so... All of a sudden, I get this insane courage. I sit up in my bed, shoulders back. I'm like, oh, I got this. I walk down to my parents' room. I knock on the door. My dad opens it with a smile on his face. and He goes, come on in, son. And so they just have love in their eyes. I'm like, this is weird. It's a trick. I feel like it's a trick. And so I say, mom, dad, I am so, so sorry for all the terrible, rotten things you've done to me. I know you've been mean to me, Mom. I know you've hurt my feelings, Dad, but I forgive you. So can you please forgive me right now? And I'm not sure what was going on, but as an adult, that is 100% manipulation. I don't know if it worked or not, but my parents begin to bust out laughing. My dad was like, okay, son, just because you came up with that whole thing, you are forgiven. I love you. It's all good. No punishment, no discipline. We're okay. So it must have not been that bad, whatever I did, but I remember in that moment, a weight just came off of my shoulders. I was like, oh, thank God. So I really wanted to go play that video game. <laughs> and so forgiveness gave me freedom. And so for our first point today, if you're taking notes and you're trying to get a couple extra brownie points in heaven, or maybe a couple jewels in your crown, or maybe you want your house to be just a little bigger, or maybe you're single, and I'm talking to you. You're single, and you went to the, the little house church, the church groups, and you're sitting there with your friends right now, and you're like, I don't want to leave this house single. I want you to hold out your notebook and write this down. Just look them straight in the eye and be like, I'm spiritual. Write this down. Point number one, forgiveness gives us freedom. I'm going to say that again. Forgiveness gives us freedom. 
You know, I heard someone once say that unforgiveness is like drinking a poison and hoping the other person dies. Now, I can't help but think how ridiculous that really sounds, but the reality is, for me, I would hold on to unforgiveness and hope it affected the person that offended me. I don't know if you've done this. Like, you don't have to admit it. You can just, like, look straight ahead so no one sees you, but... We've all probably done something like that. We have decided not to forgive and hoped that the other person would be in pain and turmoil, but we found that bitterness was the only thing that was growing in our heart. Frustration started to grow. Maybe anger started to grow for you, or maybe you started seeing yourself in the wrong way. Because when you withhold forgiveness, you withhold freedom from not only the other person, but for yourself. There's an amazing passage in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. And if you would, turn to your Bibles in there, Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 13. Or if you have your phone or a tablet or an iPad, just click to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. Or just steal the person's next to you. No, I'm kidding. I don't suggest doing that. But it says this in the ESV translation. It says, put on then, this is Paul writing, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Now this whole chapter is breaking down what it's like to be a new creation and have a new identity in Christ, but Paul, did you really have to tell me that I must forgive? Like, you couldn't have put in this thing, you couldn't have said, hey, you know, Jesus forgave you, You could forgive if you want. You don't really have to. It's not a part of your new identity because he forgave everyone. Could you have not just made it, you must forgive? But I think I understand why Paul actually said you must forgive. And I think it's because free people free people. Or you could say free people free others. And it's only because of Jesus that you are free. And so if you have a new identity because of Jesus, forgiveness should flow out of you. And so in this moment, as I'm reading this passage, I'm like, dang, Paul, why? Then I looked at the definition of forgiveness, dictionary.com, just download the app, it helps. But it says to grant a pardon for or remission of an offense, debt, or absolve, to give up all a claim on the account of, to remit a debt or obligation. You see, forgiveness gives freedom not only to you, but to the other person. In order to actually walk out our full identity in Christ, I believe that we actually have to be people who forgive. But here's the, here's the catch. You can't forgive without Holy Spirit. Like you actually need Holy Spirit to empower you to forgive those who have offended you. Jesus was really good at doing this, and we'll get into that later, but he was, a, he was phenomenal at doing this. And another thing that happened to me when my parents forgave me from whatever I did when I was seven, it actually gave me a different perspective of things. So again, if you're taking notes and you really, really want that other single person in the room to really think you're spiritual, maybe you're married and you're like, see, babe, I pay attention. I ain't checking the games right now. It's all good. Write this down. Forgiveness gives us perspective. Forgiveness gives us perspective. Yeah, it really does. And here's why. Perspective is a very interesting thing I've found. Perspective can be often exactly on or completely wrong. And maybe, okay, maybe I'm preaching to myself here. Am I the only person that's ever had my perspective off? I'm going to give you three examples, and if you identify with anyone, 
you can just nod your head, but you don't have to look to your spouse or the person sitting next to you. Just be like, that's me, bro. Here it is. Have you ever waved at someone? You started waving like, hey. And as you got closer, you realized it wasn't the person you thought it was, so you just walk on by and you just keep waving. You're like, I'm just gonna wave to the wall. That was so awkward. I'm just gonna keep waving. Or maybe this, as a kid, you would run to a lady and you thought it was your mom. You start running and as you got closer, you're like, this lady isn't my mom. Oh my gosh. And you just like take off running past them. You're just like, I'm just out for a brisk jog. Or maybe this one. This one, it may have been me multiple times. It may have been you. We don't have to acknowledge it, but I'm going to say it. Maybe you bought a Schmedium shirt. Now, if you don't know what a Schmedium is, a Schmedium is simply a shirt that fits between a small and a medium. Maybe you washed the medium and it shrunk just a little bit. But you got this Schmedium shirt because you decided to go to the gym twice. Not only did you sign up for the gym, but you walked on the treadmill for 10 minutes and you're like, oh, a perspective of me is great. I'm going to put on the Schmedium. You put it on, you look in the mirror. You look right back out of the mirror and you're like, yeah, that's not today's outfit because it's a schmedium and it's not made for you. Perspective can be changed very quickly. One of the things that I've found, though, with perspective is that perspective is only changed through closeness. Carl Lenz, pastor of Hillsong East Coast, says it like this. He says, distance creates distortion and closeness creates clarity. So how this might play out is maybe there's two different political parties out here and you're not up for each other. Maybe you're like, I don't know if I believe this. I don't know if I believe this. And you're arguing. But the problem is, is you've never seen the person for who they really are. Because we're so distant. And we don't actually have a, a clear view. We have a distorted view. Or maybe, maybe you don't understand someone's pain, so you've been judging them. I know I've done this. And because I'm so distant, who they really are is distorted. But if I get closer, who they really are becomes clear. This happened in this story on that Sunday I'm going to pick back up on my story, June 22nd, 2007. Like I said, we go to sports clips, we get to Walmart, and we're walking in. And my dad's driving the car around trying to find this car aisle, and our, our car parking spot. And we, we get out, his red F-150. Man, I still love trucks. If anybody loves trucks, go ahead and type in the chat, I love trucks. Because honestly, babe, I want a truck. Anyway, um, so we park his car, we get out, and my dad was a complete clown. Complete jokester, the guy that could make anybody laugh. He could make a, a, a rock cry out. I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, he was just funny. And so what happened was we start laughing, and that same guy that we pass while we're trying to find a parking spot, we pass him, and he jumps out of the car and starts beating this lady in the face with a gun. He's grabbing her purse, trying to take it from her, and they have this little toss and tussle. And my dad says, we're going to be okay. And we continue to walk, and as the man sees us, he takes a gun and starts pointing at us and says, keep walking. So my dad raises his hands, and for some reason, my dad took me and, and tucked me behind him. And as he's reaching for my mom, three shots are fired off in our direction. All I know is my eyes were closed, and as I'm, I'm kind of going into a fetal position, like not knowing what's going on, freaking out, I get knocked to the ground. And as I'm kind of finding my um, view and my getting things back to where they should be, my perspective, I see my hero, my best friend, my Superman on the ground, bleeding. And a few moments later, he dies. Right then and there, my, my superhero dies. 
I don't know about you, but for me, this shifted my whole life. 14 years old, watching your dad die. I'm gonna be honest, after this tragic moment, I was angry. I was the angriest person I've ever met to this day. I would punch holes in, in walls, punch holes in doors, get in fights in football fields. I was so angry. I was frustrated. I was hurting. And yes, I was even hating the person who did it. And I'm going to be honest. Forgiveness, farthest thing from my mind. Love, absolutely not. No way I would do that. You know why? Because my dad would never see me graduate high school. He would never see me graduate college. He would never see me get married. He would never see my kids. I'd never see him play with my kids. My life was completely altered. But here's the thing. If Jesus died for it, I'm going to live in it. So on June 15th, 2013, I had an encounter with the Lord. A very holy moment with him. I will say this without crying, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Everyone just bear with me. But I remember being in ministry with my wife. I was about 20 years old, 21. And I felt like the Lord literally walked into my room. So I felt the Lord say, Samuel, do you want to love like me? And you know, being the, the pastor that I was, I was like, yes, Lord, I want to love like you. So he said, close the book. So I closed the Bible. Then he asked me another question that has changed my life for forever and will continue to change it. He said, Samuel, who did I love more? Your dad or the man who killed him? I'm gonna be honest, everything within me was saying these thoughts. Are you crazy? Of course you loved my dad more. My dad just got out of church. Did you not see us there? My dad was kind and loving and caring. We were laughing, having a good time. Are you crazy, God? And as I was about to say all of this internal stuff verbally, my heart broke. I began to weep and weep. And just like the seven-year-old me, I began to dry heave and I could not even control this cry. My heart broke for the man who killed my dad. My heart shifted. At this moment, Holy Spirit overwhelmed me with a love I to this day can only describe as reckless, a reckless love. I realized that the man who killed my dad was only a 17-year-old kid. I was only 14, we're three years apart, and I'm spending my life without my dad, but he's in prison for a long time. My heart broke for this man. Forgiveness was burst in my heart. I don't know what person needs to hear this, but forgiveness will be burst in your heart today. I know someone has hurt you beyond belief that you don't even want to talk about it. Someone has tried taking something from you, but today forgiveness will be birthed in your heart. I can promise you that. I was undone to this day. And I would say this is not real, but I see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus and Judas. Jesus and Judas were friends. Judas was one of the 12 disciples that Jesus traveled everywhere with. When he would send the, the disciples to do miracles, Judas was one of them. 
He would heal the sick. He would raise the dead. He would cast out demons. He would cleanse the lepers. Jesus sent Judas with the 12. But it all changed. When Jesus got into this garden before his death, Judas decided to betray him. We're gonna pick up in Matthew chapter 26, verse 47. So if you would, please turn to Matthew chapter 26, verse 47. And it says this, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And then he came up to Judas and at once said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back in its place. A little bit after that, Jesus actually heals the man's ear and restores him back to wholeness. But this story actually bothers me. Like, like Judas betrayed Jesus. I identify with Peter. I want to fight and not forgive. Anybody else feel that? Like, you want to fight when someone actually, like, hurts you? You want to defend yourself? You want justice? You want to be like, do you know what kind of horrible human you are? That's what Peter was doing. Was like, Judas, you were with us. You betrayed our, our teacher, our rabbi, the Messiah. Why? And he acted out in anger. It's crazy. Matthew, the writer, calls Judas the betrayer. Rightfully so, right? Yet Jesus, the one we're supposed to imitate our life after. We're supposed to reflect, we're supposed to image Jesus. He says, friend, do what you came to do. In the midst of betrayal, Jesus calls Judas a friend. Now let's just assume we've all had to forgive someone. Someone who's offended us, who has hurt us, who has violated us. We've accomplished that first step, right? We have forgiven them, so we find freedom. But I want to ask you a question. This is the question that I have to ask myself every time I have to forgive someone. If I still see them and have resentment, did I actually forgive them? Did I forgive them if I feel resentment? Now, if we look at the fourth definition in forgiveness, Kind of is going to make you want to sit a little uncomfortable in your seat, so it's okay. It says to cease to feel resentment against. To cease to feel resentment against. Okay, I just got to think out loud. You're telling me that I can no longer identify Judas as the betrayer in any story when I read the Bible? Okay, you're telling me I have to identify the man who murdered my dad not as a murderer? What? Are, are you telling me that the person who hurt me, I cannot identify them as an offender, but one who is loved? You've got to be kidding me. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, I get Jesus. Jesus, you're God, so I can't, I get, I get why you can do this. The reality, though, is Jesus was empowered by Holy Spirit to do this as well, just like you are. And aren't you thankful that Jesus only sees you as a son or a daughter, not as a sinner, not as someone who's betrayed him or done him wrong? Aren't you thankful that his perspective of you has never changed? I know I am. And it hit me so hard that I actually wrote this man a letter. 
I wrote this man a letter after that encounter and I, I would send it to him, send it to him in prison. And it would keep coming back to me. I would have something wrong on there. I'd fix it. I'd send it back. He's not at that prison. He's at a different one. And the whole cycle would continue for years. So finally, I just stopped. I said, God, this, I'm, I'm trying to force something, I guess. And actually, this, a week and a half ago, I actually wrote him a letter again. I haven't gotten it back. So I'm assuming that he, I assumed that he got it. And so I'm like, okay, I did my part, God. I did my part. Now, when you hear me say I wrote a letter, you might be thinking a couple things. How do you forgive someone like that? How do you have a life free from fear? Samuel, how do you love someone like that? And the reality is, I can't. I simply can't. You can't. We can't. No one can. Like, this is an impossible thing. We can only do this if we're empowered by Holy Spirit. If Jesus would give us the same Holy Spirit that enabled him to forgive us from our past, present, and future sins, then we could forgive, right? Agreed? Like, if we had Holy Spirit, we could do this. Guess what? Jesus did that very thing we're talking about. You don't have to turn there, but in John chapter 20, Jesus appears to his disciples after he uh, resurrects from the dead. He walks through a locked room, which if someone's walking through the locked room, I'm going to listen. I'm going to be like, bro, I don't know what just happened, but say what you need to say. So he says, peace be with you. He says it twice. And then he says something crazy in verse 22 and 23. John chapter 20, verse 22 and 23, he says, and when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I've heard this verse quoted a lot in my life. I've never heard the second one quoted. It says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. I'm sorry, what? Like what? Jesus, you, hold on now. You just said, I know this is a lot. If you want to talk about this later, come find me. Whatever, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, email. I get it. But he says, okay, if you forgive someone, they're forgiven. But if you withhold forgiveness, it's withheld. I'm sorry, God, did you just say I have the power to actually not forgive someone? I feel like Jesus is low-key setting us up right here. He's like, listen, you can forgive or you could not. I'm like, Jesus, come on, man. We see in Colossians, Paul said you must forgive. So I wonder if a sign of a Christian someone who's been filled with Holy Spirit, someone who is empowered with Holy Spirit, is actually if they walk in forgiveness. This is the interesting part for me. We will always have a choice when it comes to Jesus. But if we want to image him well, we'll do the one that he did. We'll forgive. I know this is difficult, but here's the crazy thing. If you're taking notes, point number three is this. Forgiveness will actually give us authority. Forgiveness gives us authority. You see, when we have authority, we step from a victim to a victor very quickly. We do, not, we do not deny that something has happened to us. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is I will deny its authority in my life. It will not, I will not be called a victim. I will not be called the kid whose dad was murdered. I will be called the son of God, someone who is literally loved by the Father. I will not be defined by what happened to me. Why? Holy Spirit's empowered me to forgive. Holy Spirit's enabled me to walk out a life of forgiveness. And here's the crazy thing. My story is still not done yet. My story will not be done, but here's the great part of this part of my testimony. It gets better. 
You see, as I was preparing for this message, I get a phone call from somebody. Now, I wasn't in my office. They called the church and they said, hey, is this the church where Samuel Warden works at? I need to talk to him. It's urgent. Now, our amazing receptionist, front desk person, Tanya Schrock, was like, he's not in, but I'm going to send you to his voicemail. Wouldn't you know, I'd walk in two minutes later. So the voicemail's left, and Tanya says, hey, you got a voicemail. I'm like, okay. I go to my office. I listen to one. I'm like, I don't know why I'm being asked if I want to buy this. I, no. I delete that one. The second one hits. And it says, hi, I am blank blank, the mother of blank blank, the man who murdered your dad. I literally sit there and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Lord, this journey is still not done. We're going to keep going. You want to keep going? And so I sit there and my wife's in my office. I'm like, hey, can you just like leave for five seconds? Like I'm trying not to cry. I'm like, it's fine, just leave. So I call her back and I say, hi, miss blank blank. This is Samuel Warden. And as soon as I said my name, she began to weep on the other side of the phone. She says, Samuel, I do not understand why you love my son the way you do. He got your letter. He called me last night, and he's weeping in, his, in the prison cell. He's crying. He's read it four or five times. He can't stop crying because he said he's finally forgiven. He feels forgiveness. And so as we begin to talk, my heart began to break for her. I said, ma'am, you're not a bad mom. You're a great mom. Your son just happened to make one bad decision. You're not a bad mom. And she began to weep even more. And I said, is it okay if I just prophesy over you? She says, yes, I'm a Christian, please. And so I begin to prophesy over her. And I begin to speak healing into a disease that she has. And I'm, I'm praying for healing. And we're having this conversation for about 25 to 30 minutes. And my heart is breaking. And she said, Joshua wanted me to, uh, to tell you, which I shouldn't have said his name, but I just did. Wanted me to tell you. He's going to write you. He wants to talk to you. He said, Mom, please find him. Tell him I got his letter. I want to talk to him. So wouldn't you know it, on Thursday this week, I got a letter. He wrote me. He wrote me. His first sentence is, Dear Samuel, Dear Samuel, I got your letter. I can't believe this is real. You're the last person I thought I'd ever hear from. But you're the first person I've been excited to hear from. I've read this letter five to six times. And I've cried every time. You forgive me. You said you love me. I can't understand this, but I want to accept it. Then he goes on and he apologizes for what he did. And he said, the feelings that you said the Lord told you that I'm feeling are exactly what I'm feeling. Today's the first day I don't feel those. I don't feel shame. You, called, you told me that I'm not a prisoner and I'm not a murderer. You said that that wouldn't define me to you. He said, Samuel, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus, but I don't know him like you. I want to know him like you. The fact that you're willing to forgive me means there's a side of God I still don't understand. 
If you're willing to go on a journey with me, I would love to write with you weekly and learn more about the love of God that you have. Your friend, and he writes his name. You see, forgiveness was so worth it to Jesus. He was so, so excited to forgive us. You see, when I read this letter, I couldn't help but feel what Jesus felt when Judas betrayed him in his face. The compassion, the love, the forgiveness, the reckless love that does not make sense to everyone else around me is being expressed right now. See, even on the cross, Jesus demonstrated this radical love. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus, I forgive this man. But if I forgive this man, I'll walk in a new freedom. I'll have a new perspective. And I'll have authority. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that Jesus forgave me. I'm so thankful that even in the midst of my sin, he died for me. And I don't know about you, but if you're excited and thankful, whether you're watching at work where you shouldn't be, or maybe you're watching at home with friends, would you just take the next 10 seconds, and would you just give Jesus a shout of praise and be so thankful, and let him know how thankful you are for the forgiveness that he died for, the reckless love that he poured out on you, and empowering you to do the same. Thank you, Jesus. My life today is impossible. I know it. I know it is. I'm not like, well, this is just normal. I know Jesus empowered me to do this. I cannot do what I did on my own, but I have come to realize that I do not want to do anything in this life without him. And what I do know is that I cannot forgive unless I'm empowered. Free people, free people. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for what you did on the cross. I thank you that you died for my past and my present and my future sins. I thank you that who I was before I met you did not stop you. I thank you for loving me with a reckless love that does not make sense. Holy Spirit, I thank you for empowering everyone right now that a name has already come up in their heart of who they need to forgive. And Holy Spirit, would you empower them to do that, to live a life of freedom, to have a new perspective, and to have a new authority in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Life Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.